Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Lunch Hour Sports Podcast. A little Christmas special for your holiday season. Here with your hosts, Jacob Spedley, Sam Beth, Justin Rehammer, Peter Amarante, and Nathan Romanoff. Our topics today include Sam with an MLB Draft League, followed up with some football talk with Justin covering the last few weeks of NFL action, and our playoff predictions coming at you, and then wrapping things up with college football. The playoffs and bowl games are upon us. Now, here's Sam with some news about a new draft league in Major League Baseball. Take it away, Sam. Thank you, Jake. And I am very excited about this draft league. This all came about when the MLB and the MILB of Minor League Baseball had a con- they had a contract that leased all these minor league teams to MLB clubs so that uh, MLB clubs could have their players develop when they come from the draft or whether they just signed them from other places. And that contract between the MLB and minor league baseball ended in September. There was no way to tell what was going to happen, but toward the end of this year, MLB released a whole list of names, names of teams, uh, 40 of them to be exact, 40 minor league teams that were going to be removed from minor league baseball, reducing the number from 160 to 120. Now, a lot of these teams included rookie leagues, additional rookie leagues that were available in lower minor league systems for uh, kids that just got drafted out of college, or similar to that, an A short season teams. These included teams like the Williamsburg Crosscutters, the State College Spikes, and multiple other rookie league teams. This was very scary for a lot of teams in like smaller baseball communities because this is the way that baseball is presented to the general public at a very affordable price. And it gives a lot of the community jobs, and it also brings a lot of people to the town, to small towns. So this was going to be a very big problem, and teams were very worried. Uh, a lot of teams are deci- still deciding on what to do. A lot of them are going to be part, maybe, of like independent baseball leagues, maybe some other college wooden bat leagues. But the MLB has done something, and I bel- and I really think it's cr- very creative. They have created their own draft league. Now, what that includes is MLB has partnered with a company called Prep Baseball Report. Similar to Perfect Game, this company helps recruit players um, that are already in college or like start or like starting to be, get into college, like maybe when they're seniors in high school. And the, it helps them kind of get these players' names out to MLB clubs. They put on different events for scouts to come see them. So maybe they have like exhibition games, maybe tryouts, stuff like that. In league, with MLB in league with Prep Baseball Report, this draft league has provided a way for the MLB to have their own league of college players that they're going to be able to be seen by scouts of teams. They're going to be able to raise their draft stock, pretty much stuff like that. And I think that's very important because for the MLB, because they're going to be able to kind of really control this process and really kind of get to the nitty gritty on how these players are going to develop and maybe even how they get their draft stock up to even help them get to the MLB. So, Sam, I have, I have a quick question. I mean, for the people back home, I mean, they they know like there's the MLIB, which is the minor league baseball, like controls minor league baseball. This was something I was talking with you. If you didn't watch our la- uh, live stream, you can go ahead and do that on Twitter. But but like 
how how does that affect them in terms of okay so you have this draft league controlled by major league baseball but how does it affect the mlib and how they control things in their own right so my so the mlb is just going to have complete control over this draft league MILB is going to be a little bit restructured. The MLB had been planning this with minor league baseball for pretty much the duration of this year. Uh, we've been seeing a lot of news. As we saw, as we talked about in an earlier episode, we talked about how many minor league players were being cut earlier uh, when the season, minor league season wasn't happening. Minor league baseball is going to be restructured a little bit. A lot of the former teams from these, the short season and the rookie leagues are going to be either reintroduced to minor league baseball or they're going to be completely um, disregarded. Minor league baseball is still going to have control over the minor league teams and the major league teams are still going to have their own control on how the players move up through the system, the coaching staff, uh, the players on each team, stuff like that. So minor league baseball is going to be able to run the operations. MLB is still going to be able to do their own thing with minor league baseball, but this draft league is kind of a little bit. It's not necessarily associated with minor league baseball. It's different in the way that when you see guys who were just recently drafted, you'd see the guys like kind of play their college season and then they'd get draft. They go and uh, get drafted. They get drafted after the all-star break. Well, this is happening. This is going to happen during, this is going to happen during the all-star break. The draft was moved from June to Ju- from June to July. So you're going to be able to see players play for these teams that are already in the draft league before the before the draft. So they're already they're going to get their names out, they're going to get their experience some more experience and then they're going to be drafted and then you'll see them with their major league club instead of playing in college and then getting drafted and then coming to the teams. So Sam, here's my question. Who decides who stays and who goes for these teams? Like, like, which teams stay, which teams go? So that was determined by that was determined by MLB and uh, minor league baseball. They decided what teams were going to be cut, and it was going to be all the short season teams and the rookie league teams. However, for this draft league, some of these A short season teams and a few and a few other teams were introduced. So from the the New York Penn League was a short season team for teams more like on for teams that were just on like the East coast and mainly New York and Pennsylvania. Those included the Williamsport Crosscutters, the Mahoning Valley Scrapers, the State College Spikes, and the West Virginia Black Bears. So the, these teams were all affiliated with the MLB and they were affiliated with minor league baseball. However, now these teams are still under that MLB, under that MLB logo there. They're still going to be able to be under the control of MLB and and not necessarily if they were like in, under um, independent baseball, because being under MLB control gives you a lot of things. It's a bigger market. There, there are less less expenses because a lot of independent baseball teams by themselves have to get like insurance. They have to cover other stuff that's very um, business, very other business stuff. But the MLB is able to cover that for them, and that's a really big help for a lot of these teams. Uh, two other teams that were introduced were the Trenton Thunder, formerly uh, a double-A team that was not, that's not going to be present in the, they're for the Yankee system. They're not going to be present in that system anymore because the Yankees uh, actually created a contract with an independent baseball team, the Somerset Patriots. So the Trenton Thunder were formerly of the New York Yankees, but the Somerset Patriots are now going to be their double-A team. And the Trenton Thunder had nowhere to go, but uh, the MLB 
uh, allowed them to have a contract for this draft league. Same thing with the Frederick Keys. They were the A advanced team for the Orioles, and the MLB invited them to have a contract with them and still be under the M- the MLB brand. So that's kind of how it got started. How teams are going to be formed since this MLB draft since MLB draft league was kind of brought up very suddenly. It was brought is brought up around uh, this month of December earlier uh, this month. And they wanted to do kind of like a draft style of like teams would be able to pick their own college players. However, that wouldn't be able to happen right now because it'd take a lot more planning and a lot more time that they they didn't have. So what's going to happen is the president of the draft league is going to help along with um, prep baseball report is going to help assign uh, different players, different college players. Uh, these players are going to be draft eligible, so jun- so juniors and seniors in college, and also uh, high school eligible players as well, are going to be uh, selected to each team, kind of j- so that it's fair, so that not one team only has all the best prospects. Not that these guys probably wouldn't be the best prospects. These prospects are apparently supposed to be the, the cream of the crop there. These are supposed to be the top players, but they're going to try to make it, uh, distribute them out evenly for each team. And they're thinking about having about 30 players to a, uh, a roster, I assume. So that's how teams are going to be developed. And I'm I'm just very excited to see kind of how the MLB takes this. And they plan to do this for a long time. And I'm just really ready to see how the MLB works with this and how they're going to help develop these players. I think a big question that I think, Sam, that, that I think others might ask as well is, does this shorten the timeline from players who do get drafted to being a part of a major league roster. Uh, something else, again, something else that I asked uh, you a week ago is like, again, due to the explosion of such great young players that the MLB has, like Juan Soto, like Ronald Acuna, is that emphasis for maybe this draft league and other steps to close the gap from players from college and high school to Major League Baseball to make that impact and grow their brand through the sport? I think in some instances, it definitely would. If you're if you're like a first-round pick and you get right into A-ball, you're oh, I mean, you're going to get right... First of all, you're going to get right into A-ball. You're not going to have to worry about going into GCL. You're not going to have to worry about going into some other rookie league. You're not going to gonna have to worry about going to a short season. You're going to go right into A-ball pretty quickly if you're a top if you're a top pick, which a lot of these guys are going to be. So that's one thing. And number two, if you're going to be, if you're a really good player and you're just hitting the cover off the ball, you're striking everyone out. If you're putting up pretty productive numbers, you're going to be, you're going to be able to move through that minor league system pretty quickly. And I feel like a lot of these guys getting that experience, raising their draft stock is definitely going to help them accelerate through the minor league system and get them to the MLB. So I think in that aspect, it will. And uh, for some guys, it might still take a bit. Some guys in the minor league struggle. Some guys might need to get sent back up or down between some levels. So in that perspective, it might still take a little bit of a while. I think what this MLB draft league does is it presents to scouts. It's about a 60, I think, I think it's about a 62 game season, somewhere about a 60 ish game season that gives scouts 60 games. Uh, that, which is, I think, is a very decent sample size to see. I mean, if these scouts have been tracking these players through high school, through um, maybe some other showcases they've done, some other um, teams they've played for, if scouts are tracking them, they're going to already know a lot about this. Pl- they're going to know a lot about these players, and if not, 
this draft league will definitely be able to introduce these players to these scouts. So I think in some aspects, Jake, just to finish up your question, I think it's going to be a very good way of helping these players move up really quick, get some more exposure, raise their draft class, and then even get through uh, the minor league system pretty quickly. That's that's very interesting, Sam. Definitely keep an eye on it moving forward, uh, the MLB Draft League. Uh, now, as always, here's Justin Reed Hammer talking about the last few weeks in the NFL and some predictions about playoffs moving forward. Take it away, Justin. Thank you, Jacob. All right, let's start with week 10. It's been a while, guys. We're already up to week 16, but we're going to have to start out with week 10 here since we've been gone for so long, you know? So we're going to start out with the Indianapolis Colts and the Tennessee Titans. This game, quite a shocker. I, I don't know if you guys remember it because it was so long ago, but 34-17, to 17, the final Indianapolis Colts getting the best of the Titans at home. I mean, I know I didn't see it coming. What what do you guys think? It was a great football game. Yeah, it was a great ball game. I think that there's a lot of, I mean, now we're in week 16, but it's crazy to see how unexpected teams could show up and beat really good teams and how, like, you know, how each player performs on a week-to-week basis because I know, especially for some teams in specific, that, you know, there's some times where all your team is working as a cohesive unit and you're doing great, you're on fire, and then the next week it's like, what did you just get drafted from middle school? Like, you're, it's, they're, they're falling apart like they never touched a football before. What a great comparison, middle school. Thanks. Well, you're going all the way back there. <laughs> yeah, well, this whole season has been full of teams that will look super strong and then maybe the next week or the week after just completely fall apart and i think it's an interesting year i blame covid but that's just me do you think that's more of an indictment on the team itself or maybe the team that it's playing i mean one week again like you have the browns where i mean i don't know what exact week this is but what like they played they got blown out by the steelers and then they've chained together some some great wins so maybe it's of course covid you mentioned and diamond on the players but Going back to the Colts, Colts, Titans, I think these are two two teams right in the thick of it there going back and forth. Of course, a division winner and a wild card. Um, I want to ask you guys, turning the, turn the script here, which do you guys think Titans-Colts wins that division? Uh, well, I think I'll save my predictions for the end so you guys can hear those. Okay. I'll let okay. you fight them yeah. out now. I'll let you fight them out now. All right, all right. I was going to say the Titans. I'm going to say the Titans. And I say because... They have a really good receiving core. Derrick Henry is a monster like he is every other year. I mean, stiff-arming players, like, they're nothing. And Ryan Tannehill has really shown up. I think I feel like throughout the season, he's progressed into a better-formed quarterback. He's hit a lot more of his targets, and he's been able to read the defenses, move out of the pockets, and, you know, he's just been able to overall kind of form himself to be a pretty decent quarterback. So I say the Titans win it. Yeah, it's it's tight. Um, they're obviously tied on record right now, both teams 10-4, and four, each team beating each other once. So it's interesting. It'll be tight. I, I look at it, and I feel like schedule-wise, what's remaining it favors the Colts simply because the Titans have to play Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers and probably one of the best teams in the NFC. In the Colts, you know, they're playing a struggling Steelers team next week who have lost three in a row, might become four in a row. That's the way it looks to me personally. And then they finish with the Jaguars, who we all know at this point, they don't want to lose Trevor Lawrence, you know. They just got handed a gift from the Jets. So why would... Why would they lose that? So I'll go, I'll go with the uh, the Colts. Yeah, I'll, I'll stick with you now. I'll, I'll go with the Colts. 
go with the Colts. Carry on, like Justin. Yeah, I like what I'm hearing. <laughs> uh, by the way, guys, don't don't get too comfortable uh, listening to any other teams. The, we're going to talk about the Colts and the Titans a lot for the next couple of weeks. Uh, the, only, the last team what we'll cover for Week 10 is the Seattle Seahawks and Los Angeles Rams, who faced off against each other. The Seahawks getting defeated 16-23, to the final score here, guys. Russell Wilson dropping the ball yet again. What's going on with him? Surprised me. It did. It it really did, and not just because I not then I what I know that the Jets would end up beating the Rams, but the Seahawks always have like are always seem to be like that really dominant offensive team. You know, you got DK Metcalf, who I mean is a machine. You're not stopping him when he has the ball. He's running literally eighty yards to chase down an interception, and he's tackling like a monster. And then he, when he gets the ball and he sees an open pocket, he's going. He's gone. You're not touching him. It's surprising, though, because Russell Wilson is able to move the ball, throw the ball, and work with all types of different formations. So that surprised me, that loss. But again, and you know they're saying, you win some, you lose some. But I just feel like they should have won that game because of the offensive weapons that they have. Yeah, I agree with you, Peter. The game at the time was a surprise. Looking back now, I am not going to say what I would have said about the Rams then because obviously what happened this past week. Exactly. The Rams have a good defense. There's no denying that fact. Mm-hmm. But the Seahawks, you know, they've had up and down. Russell Wilson started the season hot. Everybody thought he was a leading MVP candidate the past few weeks. Downward slope, not playing his best ball. The Rams game was another was an example of that. The Rams, a strong defense, not sold on their offense. I, I don't know. It was a surprise at the time, but I, I don't know. It still is a surprise. It's, it's tough with that division. I don't know, guys. I, I, you know, I, I think the Rams are better than people give them credit for. I do know this, this loss to the Jets. That is, that is brutal. Come on, and, you can't and, ignore and, that. You can't ignore. Yes, you, you can't, can't ignore, ignore that. To a you can't team. ignore that. Hey, maybe they gave them the game just for the Jets to be the Jets and everyone no. to throw. I just, no. I just think their their defense is too good. People were overlooking. I'm looking them as a sleeper in the NFC. I mean, I'm not sold on Seattle. I mean, it was they they're close. They they're like other teams and they play down to their opponent, I feel at times. And of course we saw with the Rams. I'm just, I don't know. I think I look looking at the Rams maybe a bit more than than the Seahawks right now. The Seahawks, yeah, they have Russell Wilson in that offense, but that defense hasn't sold me too much. I mean, they just beat the football team, but I I mean, is that, that going to be their calling card? I, I think it, it's tight. Again, definitely at the time, a great win for the Rams. But it's going to be interesting here as we, the last final two weeks, how these two teams shape out and has, how the spots shape out. I just I think you can't forget about the Arizona Cardinals too. This division is pretty good, and even it's the Forty Niners. Yeah, w- even with the Forty Niners, they, they if they had Jimmy Garoppolo, I'm sure they'd be right into it too. The thing is, is just that this that defense, like you said, Jacob, that defense really needs to improve over the off season because they are not strong enough to make a deep playoff run. I can see them maybe winning a wild card game, but beyond that, the the NFC teams ahead of them, they're just they have the complete teams, and that's why I don't think. I'm not sold on the Seahawks either, really. Here's my question, though. We keep talking about the Rams' defense, how in the Rams do have a good defense. They do. With Aaron Donald with a, being a great sacker and all that. Jalen Ramsey in the back end. Oh, yeah, of course. But my question is, we're not looking at the offense. It's kind of sloppy. I was watching the games. Agreed. I've been watching the offensive games, and the defense is carrying the weight. They are. They're carrying their weight. 
They're stopping major plays that need to be stopped. Aaron Donald's doing Aaron Donald's doing uh, excellent, but the offense is looking so- sloppy. I mean, you know, the receivers aren't always really where they need to be. Jared Goff is making poor decisions. I feel like we we can't just say, oh yeah, this team has a better chance than the Seahawks do because they have a better defense than the Seahawks do. But yet, it's not just one side of the team that wins the games. They gotta really both teams have to work as a, a unit. When you look at the Rams' offense, I just don't think they could put the points on the board that they need. They're just a little yeah, sloppy. I don't, I don't trust Jared Goff, just to put it out there. I don't either. I know he went to a Super Bowl. Doesn't mean crap to me. I don't the worst Super Bowl I've seen in my crap. life, though. Like That was the lowest scoring Super Bowl ever. Yeah, exactly. He He's not that great of a quarterback. I'm sorry. He's just not. And the defense can only get you so far, I'd say. You need offense to score points. And that's why I, I trust Seattle more in the playoffs. They have a better quarterback. Simple as that. And... That experience, better that quarterback, quarterback, and receivers. Let's be honest. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that statement there. All right, and then we can move on to week 11 here, where we have the Tennessee Titans going up against the Baltimore Ravens. Titans in overtime, coming up with the win, 30-24, to 24, the final here, everyone. Titans, they're, they were shaping up after that loss to the Indianapolis Colts. They, they really showed up for this game. I think switching gears, looking at this game, I mean, talking about, we already mentioned the Titans, but looking at the Ravens, how their season has kind of gone, where it's like the beginning, middle of the season, it's, it was rough for them, their offense, uh, bottom bottom third in the league in passing yards. I think they were around 30th, if I'm not mistaken, in terms of, of that. But I think that that was kind of the end of the rough stretch. And, and now we kind of see... The, the, the greener pastures for this Ravens team, um, past week, a big win against the, the Browns. So I, I think we're starting, starting to see this Ravens team come alive and at, at the right time with Lamar Jackson doing what, what he does best. The defense, though, again, the 42 point, but the Browns have been a really good team as well. And I'm sure we'll get to them here in a bit, but, um, but yeah, I think it's it's definitely interesting to look at that defense. But I, definitely the Ravens are on the rise here. But that game, I think, was kind of the tail end of their rush stretch there in the middle of the season, now turning it towards the playoffs. I definitely agree with that. You see that, like you said, in the beginning of the season towards the middle as well. They were looking a little sloppy, you know, like Lamar was still getting back into his groove. And without a preseason for any team, it's super tough to just immediately start in a regular season and be expected to perform up to your level that you were playing. But I, I agree, this game really showed that they're kind of done being that in-and-out team. And now they're really shaping up. You see the offensive weapons doing quite well. And yeah, the defense is letting teams score on them. But yet, they're really, the linemen are really pushing against the ball. Like, they're really going for the quarterback. They're not lightening up. You just see this team as a whole shaping up and trying to be the weapon that they can be. The, the threat they can be, even. All right, and then we'll move on to the Green Bay Packers and the Indianapolis Colts. We mentioned this game just a little bit ago, you know, with the Indianapolis Colts beating the Green Bay Packers 31-34 to in the final. It is an overtime game, so it was very close. However, I think this speaks really to the power of the AFC, really, because this, this team could very well be a wildcard team, and if not, they're looking like maybe a 3 or a 4 seed. So what I'm saying here is that if even a lower seed can beat the top seed in the NFC, like, what does that mean for the top seeds? Like, I just, I feel like the AFC is really stacked this year. What do you guys think? Well, you're right. The AFC is stacked this year in terms of teams. They're playing well. They're good. The NFC, uh, the AFC is. But it doesn't mean anything. It's an overtime game. It's an overtime loss for the Packers. Close game. The Packers can compete with any team in the league. 
it really doesn't mean much at all to me personally. It's a regular season game, overtime loss. It was a good game to watch. I, st- you know, I, I do believe I would agree with the statement that the AFC is stronger this year. They have better teams this year, but I don't think it means anything for the teams at the top. You got Aaron Rodgers; he's going to compete come playoff time. It doesn't ma- matter these results from the regular season. Throw them out the window. Playoff time's different, man. It's different. I, I would just like to say, I would just like to say, Justin, yeah, stack, stack. At the Colts defense, and I want to make the case right now, they are a top three defense in the league right now. I don't know if if you guys are on that same bag, bandwagon that I am right now, but I mean, you you mentioned that game, but other games over the course of the season against good quarterbacks, we saw what they did against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. They essentially kept their team in the game. What they had, Darius Leonard, and again a top tackler in this league. What they have in the secondary and uh, their front seven, they're a top three defense in my eyes. So when I look at that game, pulling out that win wasn't for that defense stopping Aaron Rodgers and that offense. That, that wouldn't be a W on their, their record in that, that close division, as we mentioned. That game might not even have gone in overtime. They might not have the season that they're having without that defense, like you said, Jake. And it's interesting to see, like, the Colts haven't been a very show-out team in the past couple seasons. Like, you don't hear these huge, oh, wow, the Colts beat this team and this team. But this year, they're beating big-name teams like the Packers, and they're beating the Titans. And, you know, like, it's just it's incredible to see how much they done with their defense and just how they're working things out i agree it's it's got it's got they deserve credit for it yeah their defense has been great however if we move on to week 12 here we'll see that it wasn't great enough as the, they fell this week to the tennessee titans uh in a final on the rematch 26 the rematch came just two weeks later and it did not go well in in the Colts' defense, if I remember correctly, they were missing some starters on the defensive side, and Derrick Henry, of course, he he's dominating against any defense. I'm still sticking to top three for the Colts here. I'm still sticking yeah, that defense. Top Take three. that defense any day of the week. But I still say I still say Tennessee goes farther. Yeah, I, I still agree that they're a top three defense. Any defense can have a bad outing against a good offense like Tennessee's, who has arguably the best running back in the league. So. Yeah, every defense has a bad game. The same can be said with defenses like the Steelers, defenses like the Bills, you know, teams that have had bad games against certain offenses this year. So, again, still a top three defense in my opinion as well. All right, and then we'll hit week 13 here with the Cleveland Browns at the Tennessee Titans. I know we're covering a lot of the Titans, guys, but they had a lot of <laughs> crucial games in this stretch here. They did. Call this a Titans podcast while we're at it. Yeah, right Titans podcast. <laughs> well, they, they went 41 to 35 final score here. Cleveland Browns won the day. I mean, just like you said, the Browns, they, they had a little rough patches, like you said, but they're, they're grounding into form here coming into these final few weeks. They're, they were 9-3 at this point. They're just moving along. They're In the last few games, they're not playing too strong of teams. I mean, they had the Pittsburgh Steelers, but I personally think they might be able to beat them. So I think that the Browns are looking good. It's interesting what the Browns have done. Ever like when they had Odell Beckham, they're like, "Yes, we have a dominant offense. We got great run game. We got amazing receiver." And then Odell gets hurt, and everyone has that <sighs> moment. They're like, "Oh God, what just happened?" But yet the Browns powered through that all season long, and they've shown that they can be still a dominant offense without a heck of a, a receiver like Odell is. And I give them a lot of credit for it too. No, honestly, I I, I want to make the point that up until Odell's. Uh, season-ending injury, they they had their own struggles. I, I honestly think he's a good receiver, don't get me wrong, but I think his personality and, you know, his 
the way he voiced some of his opinions actually hurt the Browns. And so I think it's it's been better for them since he's been off the team, honestly. Mm-hmm. That's that's how I feel. I could agree with that. I mean, they, they have a talented roster. You know, Jarvis Landry, Jonathan Peoples-Jones as their receivers. They got Nick Chubb running the, running the football. He's good. Kareem Hunt, Chubb too. is good. Kareem Hunt. I mean, and Baker Mayfield, he's, sl- he's slinging it. He's doing very good this year. So I think that the Browns have a chance. Like, they have a great team. I can agree. You know, you know who you guys didn't mention? Kevin Stefanski, the first-year head coach. What he is doing, I think he is what's making this offense gel. He is what's molding Baker Mayfield into this, I'm going to say it, top 15 quarterback, top 10 quarterback right now. And the way he's playing, I, I don't think enough credit is given to Kevin Stefanski and how this offense has been run through that run game, as you guys mentioned, through Kareem Hunt, through Nick Chubb, and allowing Baker Mayfield. I don't, I don't know about the whole Odell Beckham, them getting injured and that kind of changing the season, but I definitely know as the season has progressed, Baker has gotten more in tune with the offense that Stefanski has put in play, and that's, of course, bettered their production on the field. I give him a heck of a lot of credit for it because he's coming into a, like, a brand new season, fresh out of wherever, and, you know, he's turned the team into, like, a, a really well-working machine through COVID, no preseason limited players, limited practice, all these restrictions, yet he's still, as a, as a new, as a rookie, he's able to make a pretty decent, if not top 20 offenses. All right, and then we'll hit up the game heard around the world, the Washington football team taking down the powerhouse Pittsburgh Steelers. Wow. 23-17. to 17. And no then it all went down from there. No it all went down from there. I mean, I remember watching this game, and I was just like, oh, my God, it's going to happen. Because... Bro. I don't even know. Jacob, help me out. Oh, man. Well, what is there to help you out with? That, that was a brutal loss for Pittsburgh. And I, 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 was, I was praising it. I was praising it an episode and two ago. Pittsburgh team is overrated. And overrated. 100%. Overrated. As we've seen now the past two weeks, dating back to that game. Um, but going on the other side, we know... Pittsburgh, their struggles don't need to go too in-depthly into that. We all know what's happening there. But just an indictment on the Washington football team, how they've been playing the past few weeks. Of course, say what you want, Steelers overrated. But they've changed some good wins together. The, the past, the past of course, last week against Seattle kind of ended that, that streak. But they've put themselves in a position to make the playoffs, albeit in a rough, the worst division in the league. But under Ron Rivera, COVID season, you got quarterbacks going through the turnstiles here in that offense. You got Smith out. You got Haskins in. You got Haskins now after this past week, trouble with maskless in a club somewhere. I mean, they've got they've got guys rolling in and out of positions, and, and I, I just give them credit. That's a big win, and their defense is playing well. So I think it's a indictment you got to look on the the football team the team without a name how they're they're getting it done here late in the season i can agree and juju just needs to stop dancing on teams logos it's really (laughs) pissing them off and it's losing them games i mean they've lost the last three games yeah washington they've played great recently washington they've really separated themselves from the rest of the nfc east and if things if the giants don't pick it up i think they're gonna run away with it 
I'm sorry. I really don't give a chance to the, the, the Eagles or the. <laughs> hey, they Cowboys, still got a shot. They still, still got, got chances. They still got a chance. There's chance. There's Washington. a chance Jalen Hurts could pull something together. Jalen Hurts could pull Washington a miracle. He can. I believe I in him. Yeah, I, I, I believe in Jalen Hurts. He could pull a miracle. Okay. Well, then we'll move on to Week 14, the next Pittsburgh Steelers game to be played. Pittsburgh going up against the Buffalo Bills in a heavyweight matchup. The Pittsburgh Steelers are taken down 15-26, to 26, the final score there, guys. Josh Allen had himself a day. Rough first half, but he really put it together in the second half. Under the weather conditions of that game, it was a good game. It was, it was tough to play because of the conditions, of course. You know, it's, it's always difficult, but the Bills' offense really showed up. As you said, Josh Allen had a heck of a game. Singletary did well rushing. Stephon Diggs, you know, had some amazing catches and receiving yards. But I really see that, and I mean, Buffalo won the division, which um, congrats to them. But I really see Buffalo's offense as a better offense than Pittsburgh. And yet Pittsburgh get all the hype. You know, Pittsburgh is getting all this hype. Oh, we have an amazing offense, 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 Pittsburgh, yay. But we're not looking at Buffalo and how Josh Allen is working with all his receivers and his run game and how he's rushing himself like the usual Josh Allen. I give major props to Buffalo for how much they've shown up. I don't know. Uh, Peter, you're saying maybe Pittsburgh's getting those headlines because Juju is uh, dancing the Corvette song on team's logos. I, I don't know. I mean, uh, you look you look at this, this Bills team, and you know what? End of the season, I'm going to say it. I am jumping on the the tables, crashing down on the tables as like they like to do in Bills Mafia. The Eagles don't make it. I'm making the Bills my second team. I mean, what, I, what me and Nate said, beginning of the season, Patriots were tracking all of that. Now the Bills, what they have done this year, truly remarkable. They have a great defense. Uh, music to Justin's ears, what I'm saying here. Great defense. What well, we're all saying, bro. Josh we're Allen. all saying. All saying a great offense. Stephon Diggs been a amazing addition to this this offense, clicking on all cylinders and and really propelling them to be my biggest threat to the Chiefs in the AFC right now as we stand. You took the words right out of my mouth. And before we continue, <laughs> I want to hear everybody's input, even Justin's most unbiased opinion. How deep do the Bills go in this playoff run? Well, if you want to hear my opinion, unbiased. Completely unbiased. As, completely as unbiased. unbiased as I can go. I think that they can go as far as the the conference championship, and maybe even in the Super Bowl if they get lucky. Okay, Jake. Unbiased. If that's unbiased, my goodness, man. Yeah, that's a heavy shirts, load. That's yeah. a heavy load. That's a heavy <laughs> load for unbiased. Shirts, you know it. Well, wow. I mean, you got to look at them. They're they're looking really good. And if they're the biggest threat to the Chiefs, they can, you know, things can happen in a game. Maybe Leslie Fager drafts up a perfect defense and they end up squeaking in. There's there's no doubt about it that they've really yeah. shaped up and formed. But I want to hear, Nate, what do you got? How far do the Bills go? Unbiasedly, I think that their ceiling this season is conference championship. Uh, the AFC title game. I don't see anybody beating the Chiefs. But um, on the same note, they could very well lose in the first round of playoffs. That's how good the AFC Any is. Team and I think Any team can. Any team can. They're very good. Uh, the AFC is amazing. I was looking at it earlier, and I was like, this is insane. Like, Yeah, so I mean... There's no easy game. Yeah, there there is really no easy game in the playoffs. And again, I, I will say Josh Allen has, an, has had an amazing year. Uh, he's been playing great as of late, and... You know, as a Bills fan, you got to hope he continues that into the playoffs. You know, and just hope he doesn't have another uh, Houston game like he did last year. Jake, what do you got, buddy? Uh, I mean, 
I think I agree agree with Nate here. The ceiling, I I don't know. Maybe I, I'm like in between Justin and Nate here on this kind of spectrum. I mean, Justin's saying they can kind of go all the way in his unbiased opinion here. AFC title game all the way. Nate's saying the ceiling's the AFC title game. You know what? I'll say the ceiling. AFC title game, man, you know, I'll give him a, a chance here to get to the to the big game. And again, the floor is that first round where Josh Allen struggles for a half and the team's behind and they can't come back from it or some scenario along those lines. So, yeah, I, I think it's anything from a first round exit to to all the way the way to play. Yeah, I would have to agree. I give the Bills a ton of credit, as I keep saying, for this season. But like you said, a playoff game is a playoff game. Even one mistake that causes you a loss, you're out. You're done. I mean, you're play. No matter how good you are, whether you're the Chiefs or the or the, or the NFC East, whoever comes in from the NFC East, one mistake you make and you're done. Your playoff run is done. So I say again, you know, you know, the minimum is the first round out. I'm in between Jake and Justin, of course, because like I really think that they have the capability of going to the end. I do. They gotta make sure they play tight though. They got to make sure they keep themselves composed and not let up when they have those big leads like they did earlier in the season. And then in the third quarter, it's always been really tough for them. You just can't let up your lead. You can't let up your guard. And I think if they continue to do that, they have a possibly have a good chance of winning the title. But I say comfortably, yeah, I'll make the ceiling at the title. But I'll give them that extra boost like you said, Jacob. I'll give them that extra little, I have that little extra push of faith to get to the big game. Okay, well, I was going to cover more about Week 14, but since that was such a long conversation, we'll just go right to Week 15 here. We'll cover one more game for the predictions. We got the Kansas City Chiefs and the New Orleans Saints. 12-1, and the Chiefs coming in. New Orleans Saints coming in 10-3, and and listen, the Kansas City Chiefs just got it done. 32-29 to the final. This one was closer than I thought it would be, but... The, the Saints put day, up a fight. They did. They did. They did. They did very well, but, you know, Drew Brees coming off the injury wasn't any match for Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. I think that the Drew Brees injury puts the Saints' playoffs run in jeopardy. And I'm not saying that they don't have a chance. I'm saying they do like every year, but I just feel like it's going to be another one of these years that they just get cheated out of a out of the chance to go further in the playoffs. You know, for the last two years, there have been terrible calls that have prevented them from going further. But I feel like Drew Brees, if he can stay healthy, if he can like really heal up, they have a better chance. You know, you can't disregard the Green Bay Packers, of course. You can't ignore that. But the Saints are a good team, you know. They got a great run game, and Drew Brees is showing up. The defense is doing pretty well against these heavy load teams. They're actually one of the best defenses in the NFL. So I wouldn't count the Saints out of this playoff run, but yet they really need to make sure that everyone's healthy and tunnel vision focused on where they want to be if they want to get further than cheated out of the playoffs again. Hold yeah, up, I mean, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Coming from the guy that was saying they're winning the division at the beginning of the year and had all these high hopes. So roll the tape. Roll the tape of Backer. Uh, no, I did say it. I did ago. say it. No, I did say <laughs> yeah, it. You're right. Did. I said it. But Green Bay is a hard team to contest with. You you can't deny that. To be, to be fair, to be fair, you did say the same thing about the Patriots. Hold on. If we're being fair here, nobody could have foreseen that Drew Brees would have gotten that injury. So exactly. let's, let's not take this out of context here, all right? Exactly. With I'm just saying. Happened. The Saints still have the chance that I gave them in the beginning of the season, but Green Bay is seriously hard to contest with. They are. They're a good team. I, I think the Saints are the most complete team in the NFC. You look at their defense, statistically ranked the best defense in the league. 
had a, and carried them through that winning streak without Drew Brees, if they can yeah. play even a fraction of how good they played when he was there, they're the most complete team in my eyes in the NFC. You look at the Packers, you mentioned the Packers. They have a great offense. Don't get me wrong. Aaron Rodgers, Devontae, Devontae Adams balling there. But, I mean, I'm looking at their defense and questioning them. I think the Saints, the all-around play from them, the Seahawks, those teams in the division have questions. I mean, you look at the Saints, and they are the most complete team in my eyes. So I, the, the ceiling's all the way for them. I can see it. That's why I give them that extra push of faith, but it's the playoffs. Anything can happen. Yeah, and, you know, I, I agree with that. The Saints consistently good team. Taysom Hill came in, you know, 3-1. and one. You know, he, he had good. that one loss to the Eagles. Jalen Hurts played a great game for the Eagles. Yes, that was... That was but they are probably the most complete team. I would agree with that. And, you know, if Drew Brees can... He had a rough first game back, and I, I expected that against the Chiefs. I didn't think he'd... Come Coming right off of a horrible not, injury. I mean, I expected that. Yeah, exactly. So, if he can rehab, and I... I they, I believe they've got the division pretty much locked up. They don't have to worry about Tampa Bay beating them in the division. So basically, they're just playing for that uh, first-round bye, which is still in play. We'll see what happens. I, I just think that, you know, if Drew Brees can get back in a rhythm, that, uh, yeah, I, I'd favorite them for NFC NFC champions or NFC title games. Exactly. Exactly. That's the only thing that's keeping me a little bit spectacle, spectacle is that if is Drew Brees going to be ready and in shape enough to be that Drew Brees he was pre-injury and really lock in that title and really lock in their maybe even a play, maybe even a Super Bowl spot this year. But it's all in the matter of how much he's going to be able to rehab and heal up before those important games. You know, like you can't expect an injury like that and that's severe. That was a tough injury to fight. And you know, like you said, Taysom Hill showed up. He helped the Saints out. He the defense. Really helped Taysom Hill um, coming in as a quarterback win the games. They had one loss against the Eagles, which was unexpected. Happy as an Eagles fan, but it was unexpected. But I really, like you said, Nate, I think it all depends on the rehab and how much Drew Brees can heal up. And I really say if Drew Brees has enough time to heal up and get to where he was before the injury, I say they can. They have a really good shot going all the way. All right, well, now it's time for the playoff predictions, guys. All right, where, where would you like me to start, AFC or the NFC? What, what do you guys want to hear first? Um, AFC. That, that's AFC. Yeah, yeah, AFC. Yeah, AFC? All right. Now, I came up with these by looking at the remaining schedules of every team and think, considering which ones I thought they would win and which ones I thought they would lose. And so here we go. We have in the AFC, the, the one seed is obviously the Kansas City Chiefs. I have at the two seed, the Buffalo Bills. The three seed then would be the Cleveland Browns. And the four seed would be the Indianapolis Colts. Got to go against you there, Peter. I'm sorry. I still say the Titans beat the Colts out. No, I, I like that, Justin. That's Yeah, I like solid. that. Yeah. Sounds good. And in the wild card there, I got the Pittsburgh Steelers, Tennessee Titans, and Baltimore Ravens, respectively. Uh, so no Miami. Yeah, no, I was going to say. I believe Miami misses it because if they if they lose to the Bills, they're only going to be 10-6. and six, And I don't think there's going to be a team that's not 11-5 and five for the AFC. I think that'll be a good game, though. The Bills got to watch that one with Tua, you know? It depends, it depends on what the seeding is looking like, because if the Bills don't need to win that game, they probably won't. That's yeah, not I was going to say, if they don't have anything to play for, I mean, you got to give it in the Dolphins' favor. Yeah, yeah so it, at this point right now, they still have something to play for in that Week 17, so I'm going to have to go with the Bills winning it. And then in our NFC, we have... 
the one seed being the Green Bay Packers. The two seed then would be the New Orleans Saints, followed by the Seattle Seahawks at three. Number four being the Washington football team. I think they're just in the best position in that division. And then our wild card options would be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Arizona Cardinals, and Los Angeles Rams. So do you have the Cardinals above the Rams? I do have the Cardinals above the Rams. I, I can agree Rams with that. I going to lose probably one or two more times, and I think the Cardinals are frankly going to win one or two more times, so I think that puts them ahead. Cardinals' offense is showing up quite well with Kyler Murray and D-Hop. Not to create long conversation, but I really think you need to switch to Green Bay and New Orleans. Like Jake said, they're the most complete team. They might be, but it's not about that. It's about seeding, and it's about wins. So I've, I'm right. calling the Green Bay Packers 13-3 and the New Orleans Saints 12-4. and All right, we'll have to see what happens. Yeah, Justin, looking at your prediction for the NFC, that is where you are. Wrong. The birds get the division. You know what? You're not yeah, gonna sure say it. Yeah, sure let, let's go. Let's go. They still got a chance. They still they got do. a chance. You can't count them out just yet. I you think can't count out Jalen Hurts. I'll play I the devil's advocate here. Let's go. Okay, you think you think Washington's gonna line the last two games? You think they're gonna beat the Eagles with Jalen Hurts? Oh, yes. 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 They have a you good really defense. Do. I agree I with you. I don't. I don't think they're gonna win. I don't think they're going to win. See, I think... Let's talk to a non-biased person here. Nate, what do you... <laughs> listen, listen. Nate is so biased. Peter and Jake, I know you guys love the Eagles. Oh, Jalen Hurts this, Jalen Hurts that. Pump the brakes, my guy. All right? Pump them. Face the facts, all right? Been an awful but what has Jalen Hurts done since he's come out? What has but... Jalen Hurts done since he's come? What has he done? He's, he's done played well. He's, he's played, played well. excellent, not well. Excellent. He's not playing okay, like an MVP well, though. Like you can't expect him to win against a better team, like a flat out like yes, you can. Team. They well, beat the Saints. Have, Justin. Let's, let's just put that out. Well, there. that that was against uh, that was against Taysom Hill, the like, number if, one if you, defense in the, the NFL, game, NFL. the number one defense in the NFL, the best best, Saints the won, best in the league. Hmm. The best defense in the league, and you say the Washington Football Team's defense can defeat listen, them. Yes, listen, listen, you're wrong. You're wrong. Would you just listen, please? Oh my goodness, listen. Washington's defense, they are incredible, all right? They've played incredible this season. That's the one bright spot in the NFC East this year is Washington's defense. Chase Young, rookie, he's been amazing. He's had a great season. I just, when I look at it, the Panthers and the Eagles, the Panthers, they, they've got nothing left. They're, they're not that great of a team, honestly. Not that Teddy Bridgewater situation didn't really work out for them and Christian McCaffrey not playing, you know, it just doesn't help them. And, and then you look at the Eagles, the Eagles are, I mean, yes, they're a different team with Jalen Hurts, but I just, I don't see, I don't see it happening. Uh, Washington, Ron Rivera is going to get the job done. He's a better coach than Doug Peterson. Say what you like about that. Hey, truth I agree is true. with that. I yeah, agree I agree with that. I agree with that. In the end, I, I think Washington will get it done. But you never count on a backup quarterback. What happened the last time the Eagles had a backup quarterback come in? That should wrap things up for the NFL combo with Justin. Great to see. It will be interesting to see how the rest of the season plays out. We'll get probably an episode out for the playoffs starting as well. Wrap this episode up. Nate, college football playoff rankings are out. Bowl games are about to start in a few weeks coming in. What are your thoughts on the college college football playoff rankings and how the committee is putting putting some teams in the positions they are yeah you know i'll go on a bit of a tandem here it's not surprising let's just be honest 
the uh, the final order of teams: Alabama one, Clemson two, Ohio State three, Notre Dame four. Do I agree with it? No. Notre Dame they got their butts kicked by uh, Clemson in the AFC. I mean, AFC ACC championship game. Uh, Talking too much, but like NFL. Points. That's what that would do to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not much NFL talk, but. They, listen, Clemson wiped the floor with them with Trevor Lawrence playing, like I thought they would. Notre Dame, you know, so what? They beat them in the regular season. Didn't have Trevor Lawrence. They didn't have one of their cap, two of their captains on they defense. They had DJ, DJ, DJ Uyunglele, uh, their middle linebacker and their defensive end. Both are captains. Listen, you, you know, it made sense that at home against a Clemson team that's hurt, you would win. But it took you to overtime to beat them anyway. And then when you play the real Clemson, you know, the Clemson with all their starters playing, look what happens. It's a dangerous game. It, exactly. I just, I don't think that Notre Dame, I would have put A&M in, Texas A&M in over Notre Dame, personally. I don't know. I mean, I mean, I don't know if it's because of my AAC bias here, uh, being, being a member of one of the schools in the conference, but Put Cincinnati in there. I was telling you the stats during the, the stream. I mean, 15 points per game. I mean, that's fifth in FBS. I mean, give some more recognition. And I think that the college football playoff and the Associated Press has failed to do this, giving more recognition to teams that have historically great seasons, but they don't get rec- enough recognition. They may get some, but... Cincinnati is going to be in a good, really good bowl game against Georgia. I think the Chick-fil-A Bowl, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Chick-fil-A, Peach Bowl. Yeah, Yeah, but I mean, Honestly sounds super tasty. (laughs) Honestly sounds super good. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, you need to give more recognition. And that's where the conversation of if it even works comes into play because you aren't the the same teams. uh, The same teams are in there every time. And there needs to be some some more variety. Yeah, Yeah, that's another great point that I will definitely back. You know what? Those teams do not get the recognition they deserve. It's terrible. And in the current system, they won't. With only four teams getting in every year, they're not going to put a non-Power 5 team in. So that needs to be expanded. Playoff needs to be expanded. Otherwise, you're never going to have a shot for those teams like Cincinnati or UCF from a few years ago who went undefeated. You're never going to have those teams get a shot at a national championship. And it's just wrong. It's not right, honestly. And I don't care what people in big media say or think. These teams deserve a shot. If they're undefeated, they win their conference championship game, What? what's they'll say that they don't deserve a shot at the national championship game like the teams from Power 5 do? It's, it's ridiculous. They need to expand it. There needs to be more inclusion of those non-Power 5 teams like Cincinnati into the playoff. It's honestly, it needs to happen because otherwise you're not going to have a fair system. I really agree. Like The idea of these teams that... I and admittedly I don't watch as much college football as Nate and Jake do. I do watch some, but they really if there's a team that really shows out and I know this and I know there's a team I know this for every sport, if there's a team that really shows up and yet they're just denied a chance to get a title or a win just because of how it's like worked out. I just think it's super unfair. I think they do need to expand, you know. The NFL going back to them, they're expanding the playoffs to like another spot, you know. Where another team gets to come in, why why don't they do something like that? What's what's wrong with doing that? Like something like that, I don't understand why they won't give those teams a chance, like Cincinnati. Well, guys, we have the four spots fit. 
Don't know if we'll talk about it again. So let's get some predictions to close the show for the college football playoff. We got Alabama at one, Clemson at two, Ohio State at three, and at number four is Notre Dame. Of course, the semifinal matches, Alabama versus Notre Dame, and then Ohio State, Clemson. Who are your two teams for you guys that will make it to the final college football playoff match? Nate, I'll let you take it first. Yeah, it's not even a question for me personally. Alabama will wipe the floor with Notre Dame. That won't even be a contest in my opinion. And Clemson will get it done versus Ohio State. Might be a bit closer in the Bama-Notre Dame game. I still don't think it'll be that much of a contest when all said and done. That's just how I feel. Well, maybe it'll be more of a contest considering Ohio State's only played six games this year compared to Clemson who's played, what, 11 or 12. But... I think you're looking at another Bama-Clemson title game. I think it's that simple. I'd have to agree. And just for the benefit of the doubt, before Trevor Lawrence goes over to the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars and has a very unfortunate first NFL year, I say, just to give him that sliver of hope, just to have him end off in the bank, I say Alabama and Clemson face off and for the title, and Clemson takes it all. I say he he ends off on a great note before he has a really crappy year with the Jaguars. Yeah, I take Clemson too. I take Clemson, and I take Clemson. You no, know, I just I want to give Trevor Lawrence the hope before he goes to play for the Jaguars. I just want him to be happy for once. Oh man, you know what? You guys both go on the Clemson train. I'll take roll tide roll. Mac Jones and what they got going down there. I agree with you. I mean, brand new matchup. We haven't seen this one coming. Alabama Clemson. I mean, seems like the bajillionth time over the past decade we've seen this one. You know what? I'll play. Play, play the Alabama card. I, I think what they're going, two Heisman candidates on that team. I, I think you definitely got to give some stock to them. That should do it for today's episode of the Lunch Hour Sports Podcast. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. You can find future episodes right here on YouTube. And stay posted for some future streams and videos by following our Twitter and Instagram hour underscore lunch and lunch hour sports podcast on instagram from everyone with the lunch hour sports podcast we wish you and your loved ones a happy holiday